Well, good morning and happy Easter. Yeah, how's everybody doing? Good, good. My name is Chuck, and I get the privilege of being one of the pastors here at City Light Church. And I just want to let you know, I am so glad that you all are here with us this morning. Now, if, if this is your first time at City Light, I just want to welcome you and say um, thanks. Like, I'm not sure how you got here. Uh, maybe you were invited by a family member or a, or a friend. Maybe you were invited by a neighbor or a coworker. Uh, it's possible that you could have received an invite card as somebody ran through the line at Hy-Vee. Or maybe you were handed an invite card as somebody was walking down your street this week. All of those things were going on. And so I just want to let you know, I'm really glad that you guys are here. Um, before we get into the heart of the sermon this morning, I want to ask you a question. Has anyone seen the movie Captain Marvel? Anybody seen that movie? Um, Just, my wife's name is Jen, and she's around here somewhere. Uh, We've been married for about 27 years, and uh, we are still crazy in love with one another. And one of the ways we do that is we like to go out on dates um, occasionally. And just uh, maybe a week or so ago, we were... um, over at one of our uh, most favorite five-star restaurants, the Market Grill at Hy-Vee uh, Grocery Store, just across the street. We were sitting there having some lunch, and as we were chatting about what we wanted to do on our date, it was kind of a, kind of a dreary day, and it was somewhat cold and about to maybe threaten some rain. And so I asked what she wanted to do, and she said, let's go see a movie. And I asked her, what do you want to go see? And she said, Captain Marvel. And I don't know if she saw it on my face or not, but my face just went, oh no. I mean, I am not a Captain Marvel fan. Uh, Not a Marvel series fan at all, but that's what she wanted to go see. And so that's what we went and saw. And so before you guys are like, what? Who is this dude? And why is he banging on the Marvel series? Let me explain to you a little bit where I'm at with the Marvel series. The entire Marvel series, it feels huge to me. I was satisfied with knowing who Spider-Man and Iron Man and maybe even the Hulk and Thor were, but when they started adding all of these different movies, it just began to get complicated. It began to feel like it was way too complex. I couldn't follow the story. Can you relate? Have you ever been asked to buy into something that you just couldn't relate to? Maybe you didn't have time in your schedule or you didn't want to quite figure it out or maybe it just felt like it was too big for you to uh, even consider. Have you ever felt like that about something? There may even be well-intentioned people that are trying to kind of cue you in and bring you in on the process. Kind of like my kids. Like my adult kids were, they would spend time with me, literally hours, trying to explain all of the different pieces of the Marvel series. So they would go into Guardians of the Galaxy. They would go into the Avengers series, and they would begin to tell me how all of these different uh, characters related to the entire story that Marvel was trying to tell. But I'm here to tell you, I still didn't connect. I still don't get it. Have you ever been there? Maybe it's not a movie franchise. 
Maybe it's a uh, maybe it's a sport that your kid is playing, and you quite don't understand the sport. You're not qu- uh, quite sure when to cheer or when to be silent. Maybe it's that new technology that your boss is asking you to adopt at work. If it's a new program or maybe a new platform and you're just like stressed out because you don't want to learn it, you don't understand it. I think sometimes that the message of the Bible, the story of the gospel, the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection can kind of be like that. There's so many moving parts. The story seems huge and it feels a little, little bit disconnected. Well-intentioned people, they try to explain it to you. But you just give up on trying to understand it because it feels too big. Or maybe you're happy with knowing the familiar pieces, the smaller pieces of the story like Christmas when Jesus was born or Easter when he rose from the dead. You know enough to get by maybe on a surface level conversation and that's about it. Let me just tell you, I get it. I understand where you are. But let me get back to my date with Jen. Something happened as we were watching Captain Marvel. I began to connect a little bit better with that movie. I began to connect the dots. Things started to come together. I began to learn more about who Fury was. I started to connect the dots when it came to where the Marvel name came from. I was drawn into the story. To the story. It felt inviting. It felt winsome. And it felt exciting. This movie, this Captain Marvel movie, it gave me um, hope that eventually I was going to be able to connect with the bigger story that Marvel was trying to communicate. I was able to connect that movie with a person and a purpose. And now I'm actually looking forward to the next movie. Now here's what I want to do today. In the next 20 to 25 minutes that we have together, we're going to talk about a story. It's the message of the Bible. It's the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This story, it matters. This message of the Bible, the good news of the gospel, this story matters. Because if you miss out on this story, the consequences are way worse, right? So if you miss out on the story of uh, Captain Marvel and uh, all of that series that we're talking about, I might lose some cool points on, you know, with, with some of the younger people. If I miss out on some of the understanding what some of the sports are and how, how these particular sports might work, I might lose out because I might cheer at the wrong time in a critical part of the game. That's how it might affect me. If I uh, don't quite get the new technology that the boss is trying to help me adopt, I might lose on that promotion that I was uh, looking forward to. But if we miss out on this story, the message of the gospel, the story that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection, those consequences are way worse. We miss out on knowing the heart of the heavenly father. 
We miss out on the joy of being part of a story that is an incredible story that God is still written. And it's the greatest story that has ever been written. So let's dive in. What Tyler read for us in Matthew chapter 28, it's like the climax of this story. It's the part that we're all familiar with. It's, it's one of those parts of the story that we're like, oh yeah, I get that. It's the story of the resurrection. And there are three things that I want us to um, take away from this story today. Number one, the story is supernatural. Number two, the story is personal. And number three, the story is undeniable. All right? It is supernatural, it's personal, and it's undeniable. Let's break it down. First of all, the resurrection story is supernatural. Look at what the Bible says. Look again in Matthew chapter 28. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled like dead men. The Bible tells us that at the resurrection, the earth literally shook. The stones were rolled away and these hardened Navy Navy SEAL type soldiers actually fell as though they were dead. Other parts of, a, of the story tell us that these ladies, um, they actually had some spices. They had some perfumes that they were taking so that they could anoint the dead body of Jesus. You see, they didn't expect to see an angel. And they certainly didn't expect to see an empty tomb. What they expected and what they saw were polar opposites. They were coming to grieve, but the angel told them to go and tell. They were expecting death and decay, but what they found was an angel and an empty tomb. They were coming to anoint the body of a dead man, but they ended up worshiping at the feet of a living king. The story of Jesus' resurrection, it's supernatural. This isn't something that you see every day, is it? It's kind of like the uh, kind of like the Huskers beating the Hawkeyes. <laughs> That's not something that you see every day. Um, it's kind of like the uh, the Abraham Lincoln Lynx beating the Thomas Jefferson Jackets in a football game. Like if it were to happen, it'd be a miracle, right? It'd have to be supernatural, or they cheated. One of those two things. It's one of those things. This story of the resurrection never happened. You didn't see it. Men who die don't just walk out of the grave. But Jesus did because he wasn't merely a man. He is God. Folks, I'm here to tell you this morning that's a story of the resurrection. It's supernatural. Secondly, the resurrection is personal. The story of the resurrection is personal. Let's look at it again in verse number five. But the angel said to the the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. 
Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Then look in verse number nine. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took a hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The Gospel of John, it gives us another important detail, another look into this resurrection story in John chapter 20 and verse 16. It says, Jesus said to her, Mary. Do you see it? The angel, he appeared to these women personally. Jesus himself appeared to these women personally. And he goes a step further and he even calls one of them by name. Jesus doesn't rise from the dead and then go seek out the rich and the powerful. He doesn't go to the religious leaders and the influential of the time. He doesn't even go to the people that murdered him and say, I'm back. I won. Or, I told you so. Isn't that what you would have done? Jesus doesn't do that. No, he makes himself known first to what was considered then as the weak and the unlikely. Jesus comes out of the grave and he goes to a woman that was one of the throwaways of that society. You see, before Jesus met Mary Magdalene, she was a woman that was an outcast. She was an individual that you wouldn't put any stock in. But Jesus did. Jesus went to her first. She was a social outcast and she had no voice. But Jesus went to her to announce his resurrection. Jesus moves toward this lady. And he makes himself known to her first. Jesus announces that he is alive to the unlikely and the unimportant. And then he told them, Go and tell others. Jesus reached out to people personally. Now look at the response of these ladies in verse number nine. And they came up and took a hold of his feet and worshiped him. You see what Jesus did there? He shows that he is a person to embrace. He's not just a doctrine to believe in. He makes it personal because he wants people to know that people matter to him. Let me see if this helps. Um, I didn't grow up in a religious home. In fact, most Easter Sundays, I was watching Abbott and Costello in front of TBS. Um, I didn't even like to go do the Easter egg hunts because most of the time, the best thing I knew that I was going to find was a hard-boiled egg. And I didn't like hard-boiled eggs at that time. So you could pretty much play it safe and say that I didn't grow up in a religious home at all. But there was some type of knowledge that something was out there, that probably God existed. Um, Jesus was kind of this impersonal, historical figure that we maybe talked about and had a reason to buy some nice gifts in December, and we maybe ate some chocolate on Easter, but it wasn't, I wasn't quite sure how he related to me. 
He fit, this whole story felt too big to really grasp a hold of. And so I didn't even try. I wasn't concerned and I wasn't going to pursue it. I had no desire to pursue anything about Jesus. But then a friend of mine, he invited me to a camp when I was 14 years old. And um, I was somewhat athletic, and he told me that there were going to be some types of sports activities there. And so I thought, hey, might as well, it'll be fun, let's go do it. And sure enough, he was true to his word. There were a lot of activities that were going on. We'd play different sports during the day, and then at night, we would kind of come into a room that was similar to this, and we would hear this guy say some words, and he would talk about some stories from the Bible. And it was in that... uh, probably the last night of the of that camp that things began to change the last night that that guy was speaking he said some things that began to make sense to me now I don't remember exactly what he said word for word but what I do remember is that this idea that I had about Jesus being impersonal and unrelated and just a historical person it was beginning to get challenged I found out and discovered that he was more than what I had in mind. The only way that I can explain it is it kind of felt like waking up in the morning. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're dead asleep and it's time to get up and go to work or to go to school and your eyes open. And in, in the beginning, you're, they're kind of foggy and you're just trying, trying to find out where you were because you don't quite remember. And then things begin to come into focus and you're able to see a little bit clearly. That's what that last night at camp felt like. Jesus went from being an impersonal, historical figure to being a person that actually cared about me. Jesus became personal to me that night, and he can become personal to you this morning. Romans 5, verses 6 through 8, is this. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible tells us that God freely gives his love to us. You see, I thought that religion was for um, the people that were polished and sharp. I thought Jesus wanted the people that were, uh, you know, cool and easy to hang out with. But Jesus tells us there that we don't need to clean up. We don't need to be cool. It's not for just AL grads or TJ grads or LC grads. The gospel is for everyone. Jesus came and died a death so that he could pay for our sins and so that we could experience what life is truly like. All we need to do is say, Jesus, I believe that what you did on the cross, you did it for me. And we get to experience a life that is unbelievable, that is supernatural. And we can personally know Jesus. He did it for me and he can do it for you. It was good news for me that someone actually cared about Jesus or cared about me. It was good news to me that someone actually cared enough about me to give their life in place of mine. I mean, I understood sin, right? I understood what sin was. 
I was kind of that kid that kind of would bully others, but I knew it was wrong. And I knew that that wasn't the right thing to do. I was the kid that was, would, would follow the moral code when all the right people were looking. But ultimately, I knew I couldn't follow that moral code all of the time. I was the guy that had issues with anger. I was the guy that had some self-control issues as well. The idea of sin wasn't something that I really struggled with. Deep down, I knew that I did things that, things that were wrong. But what I didn't know is that sin has consequences. The Bible tells us in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I didn't have to look very far to see that sin existed. I mean, I could look in my own family and see that people made decisions that hurt other people. I just didn't think that God cared about those decisions. I just didn't think that God cared about those circumstances. But at that camp, I was made aware of the good news that someone did care. He cared about my sin and he cares about your sin. His name is Jesus and he cared enough to go to a cross and die a death that we should have died so that we could live a life that he lived for us. That life that is unbelievable and supernatural. Now, if that's all he did, if that's all Jesus did was go to a cross and die for our sin and claim that he was the one that was going to give us deliverance, then that wouldn't be good news, right? I mean, it'd be kind of like watching the Avengers, uh, the Avengers movie, the Infinity Wars, where it just like ends with the bad guy winning. That's kind of what it would, would be like. I think um, it would, it, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to have any hope. Where's the joy? The, the bad guy wins, and I'm left wondering, why in the world am I wasting my time? But here's the good news, friends. The story doesn't end there. Which brings me to my last point about the resurrection story. The resurrection story is undeniable. Let's pick it up in verse number 12. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And and if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. These hardened Navy SEAL type of soldiers, they were the ones that were supposed to guard this tomb that Jesus was laid in just a few days before. But now they have some explaining to do, don't they? I mean, where in the world did this body go? The one thing that everyone knew was that the body of this man that died on a cross, it was bloody, it was lifeless, it was beaten, it was laid in a tomb. The burial of Jesus was a very public thing and everyone knew that this man was buried there. But the one man who said he would rise from the dead, his body was missing. He claimed that he was going to rise from the dead and now his body is missing. The place where they laid Jesus' body, it's empty. They couldn't deny it. They had to come up with a story to try to explain where it went. And so 
the soldiers and the religious leaders, they came up with a story to let us know, to try to explain where Jesus' body went. And here's what they wanted us to believe. They want us to believe that these cowardly, weak fishermen that followed Jesus at one point snuck their way past, somehow built up enough courage and snuck their way past these hardened soldiers, these hardened Roman soldiers that were guarding the tomb. And they rolled this stone away, went into the tomb, grabbed the body of Jesus, unwrapped all of the linen cloths, neatly took those linen cloths and folded them, and evidently must have washed them too because the Bible tells us those linen cloths were clean, laid them in the tomb, and then walked out with the body of Jesus. All the while, while these guards were guarding the tomb, not making enough noise to raise the interest, to raise the concern of these Roman soldiers. That's the story that they want us to believe. That's the story they spread because they had to. They had to come up with a story because none of them could deny the tomb was empty. The tomb was empty and it was undeniable. They had to figure something out. They had to come up with a story because the tomb is empty. It's undeniable. The tomb is empty not because someone stole a body. The tomb is empty because the person that was in that tomb was no ordinary person. The person that was in that tomb was God and is God in the flesh. His name is Jesus. And on the third day, he took his foot and he kicked that tomb out and came out of that grave. Folks, I'm here here to tell you this morning that Jesus is alive this morning. The tomb is empty and we have life because he rose from the grave. He proved that he said who he was when he rose from the grave. The tomb is empty and it's undeniable. Jesus is alive. Now why do we talk about this part of the story on Easter? Why is the resurrection story so very important? Here's why. This part of the story It gives us hope that the message of the Bible, the story of the gospel, the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection actually makes sense. It helps us connect a person with a purpose. That person is Jesus Christ. And the purpose is that he came to redeem and to restore everything that is broken in this world. That's the story of the gospel. But friends, it isn't just a story. It's not some fancy fairy tale like we're hearing in the Marvel series. What if it's the story? What if it's the story? If it's the story, then we get to step into it. We get to experience the supernatural in our ordinary lives. If this is the story, then God isn't detached and distant. He's personal and he's loving. If this is the story, 
then we can have lives that are undeniable, living with a power that's greater than our own and a purpose worth living for. If this is the story, then everything changes. The question is, what are you going to do with this story? The story of the gospel, the story that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection. Let me just tell you, entering into this story is as easy as ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for you. Believe that that tomb is empty. Believe that that he proved who he said he was when he arose from the dead. And then C, commit your life to following him. A, B, C. That's it. Stepping into the story is as easy as ABC. Will you pray with me? I want to take a moment and give anyone who wants to trust Christ this morning an opportunity to pray and express right now in thoughts or deeds or thoughts or words what may be going on in your heart. The words are up on a screen and it may be something as similar as this or as simple as this. Your prayer may go something like, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have done things or thought things that are wrong. But I believe that what you did on the cross takes care of that sin. I want to commit my life to you right now. Make me new. Thank you for this new life that you've opened my eyes to. If that expresses what's going on to your heart this morning, if that expresses something that you're feeling this morning. You came in and there was a card that was on your chair. And um, if you would just fill that card out, maybe put as much information on it as you feel comfortable with. Give it to myself. Give it to Tyler. Drop it over at the the, the giving box at the connect table. Just let us know that you just started your journey with Jesus. We'd like to get to know you better. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father, we're so thankful that you opened our eyes up to who you are. God, we're thankful that we don't, um, we don't have to worry about the tomb. The tomb is empty. You're alive. You showed that you said that you, who you were when you came out of that grave. And God, we just worship you and thank you for being true to your word. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for drawing us to yourself. We thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes, for making things clear. We just ask that you would continue to do that this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name.